Welcome to the Pink Isle. As always, my name is Henry Kathman, and joining me is the illustrious, the immovable Emma Corey. Hey, everyone. Yeah, and joining us, listener, we are in for a very, very special treat because someone has joined us in the actual aisle. They've passed through the magic rainbow and whatever framing device we've set up here. And now we are joined by fellow uh, YouTuber, hashtag content creator and lovely person, Laura Crone. Hello. Yes, I decided hey. I, I didn't like the Lego aisle anymore. This seemed much more inviting. Hey, does does Lego have 37 original movies? I don't think so. No. They just got no. like, they just, just like got the those. two of um, them. Yeah, they got the uh, ones of Chris Pratt and the Batman movie, but you know. Well, I'll say this. Both Barbie and the Lego movie franchises have won the exact same number of Oscars, so... Really? I mean, who's, <laughs> I mean, who's, who's got, who's the higher quality? <laughs> yeah. But no, it's so, very, it's very lovely whenever we get guests on here because it is a, it's a rare and special occasion when it happens when someone else joins us on our uh, pink colored uh, island of solitude here. So. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Happy to I be mean, here. I think. Well, I think. You're gonna be in for a pretty interesting treat in terms of today's little morsel, but before we get to any of that, uh, Laura, uh, we'd like to know, what is your sort of experience with sort of, uh, female-centric toy franchises that have either gone on to video or what not? Yes. Um, so I, I was a total Barbie kid. Um, my my, uh, my mom was, you know, trying to do the, like, good feminist thing. I was her first kid, and she was like, no, we're not getting any Barbies, and I just wanted them so badly. Um, which is, you know, not to say that it was not wonderful of her to be, uh, you know, looking out for me and trying to make sure that I felt like I could do whatever I wanted, but um, it just, what I wanted was Barbie. Uh, so I was super- And you know what, sometimes that's valid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so did a lot of playing with Barbies uh, with my sisters as a kid. Um, and uh, was very into a lot of the kind of Barbie property uh, story things that were available uh, in my childhood. Uh, I was a big, big fan of the Dear Barbie books. Um, okay. Yeah. That's not something we've explored yet on Ooh, this podcast. Yeah. Would you mind sharing a little bit about those? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they were these picture books um, where the framing device was always that um, some anonymous girl just like you was writing to Barbie for advice with uh, a relatable scenario. Um, and then Barbie would respond to this letter by telling a story from her life about a time when, of course, not a time when she dealt with the same problem because she's Barbie and she's perfect, um, but a time yeah. usually when like Stacy or Midge was dealing with us. Midge? Probably not Midge. I feel like Midge was not Midge a hot is... property at that point. Mm, I, I mean, in our experience, it, 
Barbie sisters were always uh, uh, Barbie Skipper. Skipper, uh, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, not Midge. yeah. Midge was the one that people ship Barbie with. Midge yeah. is her friend. I remember her special friend. Yes, but, but that her very very special friend. But no, that that kind of reminds me how a lot of the earlier Barbie movies were because they were always like Barbie was telling a story to her sister Kelly that didn't really relate that yeah. much actually to what Kelly was going through. But you know, no, yeah, no. It, <laughs> I mean, I think that's something that Barbie has always been consistently trying to aim more towards. At least once you pass the 1990s, uh, I think a lot of more people were starting to get real cynical about Barbie's place within pop culture. Like, the 80s really spent a lot of time just pointing out how artificial and fake Barbie is and how she's considered the bane of everyone's existence. But... I think by the 90s and the early 2000s, Mattel was trying to walk that back and be like, no, no, it's fine, because Barbie is an inspirational figure to everyone. Mm -hmm. But that's really interesting that that sort of narrative through line was starting yeah. even before these movies. Yeah, well, and it's, it's funny thinking about The Nutcracker specifically, which is the only movie that I that came into my life, really, when I was a kid. Um, mm. There, there was in my house a Dear Barbie book that was about ballet, and it, it really is, like, in retrospect, like, almost, I mean, not quite exactly the same, because it's not so much like they use the story of the ballet, but it is, like, uh... It's got a similar structure. Yeah, and it is, I forget if it's Skipper, probably Skipper, um, is gonna be a, a dancer, and she's, she's, like, got stage fright, I think. Either that or she's upset... No, yeah, I guess, no, stage fright is the Nutcracker, right? Is that the framing device in the Nutcracker? Yeah, yeah well, the nut, sure. it's it's part stage fright, part Kel, uh, Skipper, no, gosh, now I'm doing it. Kelly <laughs> being like, uh, how disappointing, like, I can't do the steps perfectly. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's like related to that. Yeah, because then yeah. this book is like they're doing um, Sleeping Beauty and skipper or whoever um is feeling upset because she's just a dancer in the chorus and she wants more she feels she like she's to. not important and barbie teaches her that, like every every uh every person involved is important that's interesting because that's not really a theme that a lot of these movies really explore it's oh it's a lot of be yourself believe mm -hmm. in that that whole thing it's sometimes uh, the themes got a little bit more complicated, like in Barbie as Rapunzel talking about like cycles of abuse Ooh. and like trying to break them. Although I'll, I should say whenever we talk about some of the big weighty themes of some of these Barbie movies, listener take that with somewhat of a grain of salt. Cause yeah. like <laughs> there's only so far they can kind of deep. They can go with these ones, but that's that is all very interesting yeah. so yeah and I, I think you bring up a really interesting point because like in a lot of these stories usually like the younger sister the younger character is usually the one that's allowed to be a lot more like flawed and like relatable mm -hmm. to like the target yeah. audience or barbie herself is more like just kind of a, a like a role model type character she's meant yeah, to be a lot more she like was... aspirational 
She really is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, honestly, that's something that a lot of people have kind of pushed back with. Like, there are top... You'll sometimes hear people having a proto Mary Sue conversation about mm-hmm. Barbie, about mm-hmm. how, like, oh, she's too perfect. She doesn't have any flaws. But, you know, sometimes people just want, like, a nice Paragon aspirational figure that you can look up to. And yeah. that's something that seems lacking in a lot of girl-centric property sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like what Barbie was originally meant to be. She was meant to be, like, essentially a fantasy that little girls can imagine themselves to grow up to, like, be this person, essentially. So, Yeah. All that said, it's interesting to think about all about how uh, Mattel tried to walk back on ha- on the artificiality of Barbie and try to increase her inspiration because by the late 2000s and entering into the 2010s, mm-hmm. th- there was a movie called Toy Story 2 and 3 where the Barbies were becoming a yes. lot more prominent yes. and a figure <laughs> of satirical and self-aware parody. And this is just conjecture, but I can't help but think that Mattel was looking at those sweet Toy Story 3 dollars that were being chucked at mm-hmm. uh, Pixar and thinking, huh, we could also do that. And from there, we got today's specimen, Barbie <laughs> Life in the Dream House. Yay. <laughs> so, and, and you could really see around this era, I feel like this is was where really where like, brands being like self-aware kind of became a lot more popular because you kind of had like Disney with their Frozens kind of like pointing out the well even before then you had like Enchanted yeah where it kind of became and that's a very sort of 2010s type humor I think is like sort of pointing out like haha we're acknowledging the tropes that are common in our stories that means we're yeah. in on the joke now, you know, type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Lilo and Stitch trailers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was Lilo and Stitch trailers being like, oh, this ain't your dad's Disney yeah. movie. You, This one's got fart noises and special... I don't know, aliens in it. I guess that was kind of, that was almost like the precursor, but it was like, we're not going to like say anything about the property, just like, we know that you like to laugh at it, so we're just going to get out ahead of you and make it into something funny, because that was like around the same time as like Lion King one and a half, too. Oh, oh my god. I feel like the, the, it kind of reached critical mass when they made Wreck-It Ralph 2 and they really advertised Mm -hmm. that, like, princess scene from it. Like, you know. Yeah, and nowadays I feel like more people are just, like, tired of these sort of Mm self-aware brand things, because at this point it's like, I think because it's literally every brand nowadays, and... Haha, <laughs> Wendy said something sassy on Twitter by their product. Yeah. Oh, that's Sonic the Hedgehog. That's right, your games are really badly developed, and you do put your developers under crunch time. Haha, <laughs> chili dogs, am I right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but But I think another big 
thing that Again, this is in speculative territory, but I think another big thing that was sort of influencing the formation of Life in the Dreamhouse is another property that was girl-centric, but leaned in a lot of ironic humor that was emerging in the late 2010s. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Uh I can't... Now, I I feel like a big trend in a lot of... uh, Laura, if you were to go through each one of these Barbie movies uh, like we were, <laughs> first I would say don't, uh, but uh, second I would say you'll probably see a lot of certain decisions and be like, huh, I wonder why they focused more on this. And then you then you would see what Hasbro was making at the same time, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, okay, we're going to... because." Mattel and Hasbro have a very interesting back and forth thing where they will it's kind of like a Universal Studios Disneyland type thing where Mm -hmm. they'll copy each other but constantly try to one-up each other and yeah and I think Mattel seeing the success that Hasbro is having with My Little Pony was also probably thinking we too can also make ironic jokes with Barbie yeah this is really kind of the era like look at this show for girls it also has humor that adults can enjoy type thing this kind yeah. of thing at the time it's interesting to me i i think and maybe this is just ignorance on my part but um just from like my memory of like growing up in the 90s um that was such a time when like so many toy companies were getting in there with like tie-ins with tv series and things um and you, I mean, you mentioned like My Little Pony. Like My Little Pony's been a TV show forever. Um, but like, I, man, I would have watched the heck out of a Barbie TV show if that had existed in the '90s. And it took until what, like, to, was it 2001 that Nutcracker? Yeah, 2001. Happened? Yeah, like it's it's uh, and I just totally missed it because, of course, by that point I was a self-important tween. Um, but yeah, it's. There were, it's it's wild to me that Mattel was, was like has been kind of like chasing that the whole time. Yeah, and I think there was like there wasn't there like some Barbie VHS movies in the eighties. There were two. There were two Barbie VHSs released oh. in. Uh, yeah, well, most people don't really know about them because yeah, I they them were clearly. released. They were released in nineteen eighty seven. They were okay. direct. Re- uh, it was a co-production between Deke Animation and Saban, so the okay. Power Rangers people, where yeah. they were trying to make a Barbie animated series, and they made two pilots, but um, negotiations between Deke and Mattel ended up falling through, and ah. um, instead, uh, what ended up happening was Deke ended up leaving their partnership with Mattel to make Maxi's World, which I'm is a thing apparently. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But these are two but these are two uh Barbie VHS movies uh called uh Barbie and the Rockers Out of This World and Barbie and the Sensations Rocking Back to Earth. Okay. Both of them are ones where Barbie is in a band where they go on a space adventure and then they travel in time back to the fifties. Okay. So, <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, when you put it like that way, Henry, I'm like, why have we not watched these movies yet? For the yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> that is something. Yeah, that's probably something we should get on to. I know that Pushing Up Roses did uh, a short video about that okay. a while ago that I recommend. Uh, but Maybe yeah. that's why that sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps, perhaps. But so, have either of you watched any of the Life of the Dreamcast episodes? I have not. No. My familiarity with Life in the Dreamhouse kind of starts and ends with clips being made into GIFs and posted on Tumblr. Yeah, that sounds and, about right. And most of it was just people, like, finding a single clip of the show and being like, what? This show is insane! They acknowledge their their tropes and that they're a brand. How clever. But I yeah. feel like I've actually... I actually did watch this show before. Like, I watched, like, maybe the first season, like, a while, like, a couple years ago, just randomly on Netflix, but I, like, can't remember anything. <laughs> so yeah, we I'm are sure it'll we come back to me as we watch some of these episodes. Oh, I'm sure. And listener, they today they have released 75 episodes of this uh, series. It was originally like a web series that was produced on Barbie.com, Netflix, and YouTube with two TV specials airing on Nickelodeon. We are not watching all 75 episodes today. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're just going to be... I think what we're going to be doing for any of these sort of... TV shows is that uh, we're going to get a little sampler getting the first two episodes and if you, the listener, want to suggest any particular episodes that you think we would especially enjoy, feel free to tweet at us at Pink Isle Pod and let us know what you would like us to watch in this because again 75 episodes is a lot and even though they're apparently like 3 to 7 minutes long on average it's it's something that I'm not uh, really wanting to subject everyone to. <laughs> we, we got uh, other other Barbie-related uh, properties on the horizon, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, before we actually get into this, as usual, I just want to go through uh, the main series directors and writers for this and just any other notable cast and crew. Uh, something that we've talked about already is that... Um, a lot of the directors of this series also have experience with the mainline Barbie movies, notably Andrew Tan, who, listener, you might remember as uh, having a bit of experience uh, with some of the future Barbie TV shows like Dreamtopia, but also stuff like Starlight Adventure as the main director. But then joining them uh, it, as director is Tom uh, Resnick, who primarily acts as a casting director for animated shows on Netflix nowadays. Uh, he also worked on that one animated movie called Bilal, A New Breed of Hero, which pe fan people who aren't like crazy in the know of animation things was pretty notable for being one of the first major feature length animated movies produced in the Middle East. So that's interesting. Uh, then uh, joining them as another director is Kyron Kelly, who 
is known for working in the art department for Nomeo and Juliet. Oh. <laughs> He's got some high-class credentials there. Uh, time to cr kick some grass. Yeah, but also working on a uh, children's show called Abby Hatcher, which I believe aired on... Oh, it's I think it's Amazon Prime. Anyway, uh, then finally, the other major director here is uh, Patrice uh, Berube. Yeah, apologies if I mispronounced that, but she also has like a lot of history in the industry. She worked in the animation department for nine. Uh, so that's a, and also yeah. on Nomeo and Juliet, but also in the animation department for Storks and the Emoji Movie. Oh, yay. Yay. Well, it just goes down and down. Also, <laughs> yeah. She was also a senior editor for the Smurfs Lost Village movie, which I recall for having good animation. But yeah, and then I mean, finally, all those uh, movies that do have good animation. They're just yeah. varying in quality there. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, unfortunately, there are way too many writers to list here. This series went through about seven or eight writers over the years, but. Just to give a little bit of credit uh, to the one that has the most, a uh, Robin Stein, who, oh, uh, has a lot of experience writing in adult animation. Interesting. He wrote for uh, uh, 16, which is an adult animation, but also Mission Hill. Do either of you guys recognize Mission Hill? No. It oh, sounds it was... familiar, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, well, it was, I think it was on MTV. It was, it was a thing, but, uh, but needless to say, all of these animation, all these writers seem to have a lot of experience. But then, finally, uh, just to go through the main crew of voice actresses, uh, we got Kate Higgins voicing Barbie, who you might recognize as Sailor Mercury in for That's Sailor cool. Moon, as well as Sakura in Naruto, so I don't, I'm not familiar with either of those, but good on her, getting them Naruto <laughs> checks. And then uh, playing Ken is a guy named Sean uh, Hankinson. He is a lot less prominent animation-wise. Uh, his other biggest credit is a TV show called Prom Queen, Eh. I've never heard of that. <laughs> nope. Nope. Neither have I. And then, uh, then we also got uh, Haviland Stillwell, who played Raquel, who I'm led to believe is a really big antagonistic person in the moot in this series. Okay. Uh, she was the president's secretary in Selma, so that's neat. And was also in Magic Mike XXL. Hey, so yeah, my brand. Yeah. <laughs> Credited as Ken's girl number two. So. Uh, not the Barbie Ken, I assume. The Magic Mike. No. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember which, what act is Ken's act in the uh, <laughs> the final show. She she probably got to like be the lucky girl on stage in there. Oh the yeah. Giant Pro dance I, number. 
at the very least, she was probably in the crowd, like, dancing and screaming at the different abs on the stage, so. Yeah. <laughs> and who wouldn't, really? So, uh, yeah, that's that was a lot to go through, but uh, I think now it's time for us to join Barbie to see what life is like in the dream house. What horrors will await us in the dream house? (laughs) Only time will tell. From the hit web series, Barbie Life in the Dream House. Off the hook! Off the hook! Introducing Talkin' Barbie. I'm the star. I'm the star. And Talkin' Raquel. Chic? Or so last week. Chic? Or so last week. Plus, you can record your voice and they repeat it back. I need new shoes. I need new shoes. Use a fashion vending machine. Talking Barbie and Raquel dolls in fashion vending machine each sold separately. We're back. We're back. We watched some Life in the Dream House, and it was a real treat. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I gotta say, that was a very interesting taste. Like, let me just start off by saying, like, yeah, I get the appeal. I I understand why this is something that got real popular online. It's definitely something that really works for uh uh hits a lot of the same niches that of those different 2010s shows that we were talking about in the intro yeah very fast paced very like kind of meta sort of kind of self-aware humor also it wasn't it wasn't full invader zim lol so random (laughs) but it it was on that periphery. I uh, I enjoyed it. I could see, like, I definitely, like, I enjoyed it back when I watched it then, and now I'm enjoying it again now. Also, yeah. you can see that kind of influence where they do kind of like the sort of office style kind of... Mockumentary form. type thing. Yeah. Also, yeah. a lot very, of... Uh, with very confused consistency on the sort of B-roll... Like, I was very thrown at the beginning when, like, there's one shot that's, like, B-roll of Barbie and we get her lower third, and then it just starts throwing lower thirds into, like, every time a new character comes on screen. Like, not when they go do a confessional, but just, like, when they're, like, hanging out um, yeah. in the main screen. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I was under the impression that they would lean more into that sort of reality TV show thing that they were clearly trying to ape yeah. with this thing, but... I don't know. Given how short some of these episodes were, right? Like they just go by way. Like you snap your finger and it's already done. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. yeah. You can definitely tell these the, are made for the internet. Also, way more pop culture references in these than you're used to with your typical. Bobby oh yeah, listener, we aren't really going to be able to do like a whole beat for beat rundown of every single episode as we said uh laura considering that most of your experience with barbie was mm-hmm. from a long time ago right <laughs> i imagine this was like a somewhat jarring uh, transition uh, well uh, maybe yeah it was and i think it's also like it's it's very far from the tone of my only other barbie uh, visual media experience, which was Barbie and the Nutcracker, which kind of yeah, takes itself very these, seriously. 
Yeah, these shorts aren't really like anything at all like the typical Barbie movies that we have watched. So it was a nice change of pace, definitely. Yeah. And I've seen like the little clips of whatever they're doing now where it's just kind of like Barbie's a vlogger. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, um, man, the Barbie vlogs. That's that's something I'm looking forward to. Yeah. It's... But again, like, kind of take its kind of just takes itself seriously and like she's just this person who like is a youtuber and so to go for this which is just so like so leaning into like it's a show about toys um both in the very formal aspects of like you know we need some food and so we just throw some random stuff in the oven and what comes out is hot dogs like fully formed with mustard on top inside the buns um and making cupcakes in what looks like a pressure cooker. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and even just little things like like Teresa straightening up and like hearing it crack the way that like an actual Barbie doll will like. Yeah. Kind of. They crack. talk about how well they articulate their joints and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And this is shown visually yeah. throughout the show. Like the dolls have like joints, and then like it lets you know that these are like meant to be toys, which isn't something mm-hmm. that you see in any of the other Barbie movies, which I thought was really kind of like an interesting direction to take it. The stories that they portray through this show is a lot more kind of like sort of fantastical Uh, and abstract, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Something you said while we were watching this, uh, Laura, was that this reminded you of the stories that you told, like while you were playing with Barbies. Yeah, absolutely. Like. Just and I don't know. It was more what my little sisters would do than like they were better at it than I was of just like coming up with these kind of ridiculous lines and especially the way that like Ken and especially Ryan are kind of just like the butt of every joke. Just kind of like the specific kind of incompetence that they both have was like very very similar to the way that Ken was always played with in my house growing up um and just sort of oh, like, yeah. like the specific bit of ryan trying to do a super impressive dive and just like not being able to figure out how not to belly flop just like i could absolutely see that exact thing being something that my sisters would have come up with and just yeah. been delighted with to no end <laughs> oh yeah like i gotta say like this definitely does have the sort of energy that does feel on the same like sort of mental wavelength of like most of the kids that would play with barbies because yeah this is something that we talked about in previous episodes but something that barbie lends itself to well enough is that you uh with a lot of these movies they seem to kind of provide sort of templates for mm-hmm. how uh, th- scenarios that you could act out with Barbie. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you got the princess and the pauper Barbies. Well, you, you can make them sing just like in the movie and then have them do act it out. It's, I think it's a very, uh, that's a pretty universal thing that a lot of kids like to do with these sort of dolls and I think at least with Life in the Dreamhouse they were trying to tap into like some of the sort of stories that kids might naturally tell like oh yeah Barbie has a pool party or Barbie is stuck in her closet 
<laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, I was gonna say what I really liked about this show is how it kind of like really leaned into sort of the kind of uh, meta logic that these toys go on. Like Barbie is cel- they like have an episode where it's like Barbie is cel- celebrating her. 53rd anniversary of holding hands with Kin like in this universe yeah. Barbie is like like 50 years old despite being Barbie and also like her house and her closet is like some kind of void dimension that just goes on forever and it just yeah. I really like the cartoon logic that this show operates on like it's a much more cartoony than like I think any other Barbie property but I think that like lends it really well because it kind of like opens up the sort of like imagination that kids would have when playing with these toys and the kind of stories they can they would come up with. And I feel and I think it's cool that this is like one of the only like I think Barbie media things we've seen that's really tapped into that kind of thing. So I thought that was neat. Yeah, and I think it is telling that this is the type of like when most people talk about Barbie and the Barbie movies, they will either talk about this or like the early Barbie direct to DVD movies like like there are some people who kind of regard this media franchise as like oh it stopped being good after Island Princess and <laughs> and then Life in the Dreamhouse redeemed the series that's a way that I usually see it sort of framed online but <laughs> And that might be a little bit reductionist of some of the other movies, but I do think, like, there's a good reason for some of that stuff. Yeah, I could so, see, because definitely, I would say some of the later Barbie movies, you can definitely see it just feels more and more just like this is tired. a toy commercial. Like, it feels like the people in charge, like, didn't really care that much. But this feels, you can tell that, like, people had fun, like, working on this and writing it. Yeah, yeah. So... I think that leads us to, uh, so like I said, we're not going to really summarize the episodes, but I do kind of want to just run through some of the different characters that we're treated to with this. So let's just start (laughs) off with Barbie herself. Emma, we've seen Barbie in many, many different scenarios. How do you think Barbie compares to all of the other different incarnations that we've seen her as? Well, we got a Barbie here who is uh, obviously wise beyond her appearances, and they really kind of like lean into the that sort of kind of more ditzier aspect of her in this one to kind of fit in with more of the comedy series tone of it. So, I thought that was a pretty good decision. So, yeah, I I also like uh, going off of what you guys said about how they kind of meta approach it, like oh. Barbie and Ken have been together for 40, 41 anniversaries, mm-hmm. but al- but also the big famous bit that they address is like, these are all my different outfits, all my 131 careers that I've had. <laughs> like, they're from the actual toy lines and are encased in actual yeah. plastic packaging, <laughs> like an actual doll. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And the, uh, yeah, like the moment when she's just like, oh, I'm an electrical engineer. I can get us out of this. Like, it, it felt like uh, it really tapped into kind of the similar energy that like um, like Life Size did of just like, 
yeah, she's just a person who just, like, has done a lot of things and knows a lot of things because she's kind of done everything. Oh, man. Life size is a... Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. What you said earlier, man, we need to watch Life Size at some point, Emma. Mm. That seems, that seems, I hear good things of it. But yeah, I I completely agree with all of that so far. Like, I think, I think the strangest thing, well, I think the most, uh, I think the thing that lends itself best to some of the comedy is just, like, how they sort of tap into that, uh, that sort of criticism some people have about Barbie being absolutely perfect. Like, because despite how crazy famous she is, like, she's still, like, super friendly and humble and good-natured. And when that bounces off of the characters being, like, kind of losing their minds in the face of that, it's... You end up getting a lot of fun scenes with it. Well, and, like, she's kind of flawed, too. Like, I feel like in the the, the second episode that we watched that was kind of all of the little more vignette-type stories... Yeah. Um, like, we start to see, like, a slightly flawed character. Like, she's a total hoarder, and it's, like... That's actually true. a problem and that's true yeah like i mean the story like it still comes around and like in the end she doesn't actually actually have to get rid of anything but like i think the way that it frames like her desire to not get rid of anything is kind of like yeah that's that's not like great that she's holding on to all of these things and it's like a source of comedy that she's like no we can't get rid of these shoes they're the ones i was wearing six hours ago when we started this <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, yeah that's that is true yeah i what i mean when i say perfect there's it is definitely one of those things that i think people kind of discount about barbie as a franchise like mattel does does their best to try and make it so that she's as good as she can be but there are things about this that do kind of highlight some of the problems uh i think another interesting thing that they sort of, when you see her get in these increasingly ridiculous situations and still have that same sort of friendly veneer, it also adds like a sort of slightly unhinged dimension that yeah. I sometimes <laughs> picked upon. I don't know. Oh, yeah, there definitely is some some definite shenanigans going on in this show, especially with the fact that uh, Barbie's dream house has, like, an evil AI robot. That okay, just... yes. Let's, I think I think I speak for everyone when I say that this was the character that definitely stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, Closet is... His name's Closet. Mm-hmm. And Ken made him. We'll get to Ken in a little bit, but they... I don't know. What were you, what do you guys think of Closet in this? So, he's kind of like he's essentially like a Hal parody. Yeah. In a Barbie property where like he he like gives them fashion advice but gets like really judgy if he doesn't like their fashion. So, there are two separate episodes where he like locks them in the closet. And then it turns out that he has an evil switch <laughs> that Ken just happened to that give they, him 
Yeah, that they keep on switching on and off. Which <laughs> Yeah, he never gets rid of it, which I don't know. So that's kinda is definitely a sampler of what the tone is of this series is like, you know. So. Yeah. I think I mean, if you were to just look at the very first episode by itself, where it was um or the second episode. There was one episode where uh, Barbie is trapped in her closet because it turned evil, and the entire episode is just all the characters trying to break out and navigate the dream house and do all mm -hmm. these crazy things. And with that, you get all these just Indiana Jones references and Star mm -hmm. Wars references. <laughs> oh yeah, they get a big old Barbie head running through, like the hairless Barbie head, but also we get other references to the toy lines, because at one point we see like the big Barbie like head that you style, that would come with like the hair curlers oh, God. and makeup and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That just reminds me how at one point I did have like a life-size Barbie, like, in my room. It actually oh. might have been my sister's, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was one of those in my house too. <laughs> oh god, I think my father said that eventually, like, it got old and gross, and he just like burned it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, my family, we even though I grew up with uh, four sisters, we weren't super big on Barbies. Like, we had them, but when we got them, they were always, like, hand-me-down Barbies from, like, our cousins that they didn't want anymore. And because of that, they were always super gross. And yeah. sometimes they would just leave them... My sisters would just leave them in the yard to get muddy, and it would be... Oh, no. <laughs> just this grotesque sight of seeing a Barbie head in the mud. Oh, God. Laura, what kind of Barbie things did you have? Like, did you have any of the play sets or anything like that? Oh, man. Well, the, the big thing was we had an amazing house that my dad actually built. Ooh. Um, oh, that's so, so cool. That, yeah. It was probably, like, like four feet tall, so there was, like, actually, like, tons of space. I, I mean, it was, like, it was a pretty basic, just, like, house-shaped frame that then had, like, five rooms in it. Um... So yeah, that was like the amazing thing that we had. Um, I think we had a couple of cars. Um, I remember having the gymnast Barbie. That was a fun one. <laughs> she had like these like spools sticking out of her hands so that she could go on the bars, which <laughs> were, was a really cool thing, but also it made her look really weird if you put her in any other outfit <laughs> well that's oh. that's why you got to get the different barbie then yeah, like you, can't, yeah. you can't just have the acrobatic barbie oh yeah no you gotta have gotta have you gotta have them all yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think my favorite one was one christmas i got the barbie hot tub party bus Ooh. So that was the one it had like the big it had like a refrigerator there was like a hot tub that pulled out of it and the hot tub would play like music on it <laughs> that was pretty sweet um, yeah so this might be the first one we've actually watched that really kind of like makes you think about the toy line the most yeah. other than just a vague like oh it's a character in a movie that has a toy counterpart that you can buy you know yeah, yeah. When watching the movies, something like 
I guess to give credit to some of the Barbie movies, even the bad ones, uh, like, even at their most commercial, like, when you were watching the movie, like, the most commercial they ever felt was when you saw, like, a character that would suddenly appear to with very little explanation, and you'd wonder, mm -hmm. like, why did why is this character here? And then you would look up the merch page and see that, oh, they made a toy for it, so the writers probably had to, like, shoehorn them in just so that they can add that in. That's a very common trend in a lot of the movies, unfortunately. Yeah. But at least with this one, it's like, oh, it's fine if we have all these accessories in here because we're... That's the conceit of the show. So... All right. When are we going to mention that uh, our resident Kenbo in this one is now, like, a tech genius? Yeah, so Ken... Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, Laura? Oh, I just... I, I like that. Like, I like that Ken is good at one thing. Yeah, I... That's something <laughs> he's that... Still, he's, still a, he's still a dummy, but he's, like, a smart one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's a very much intelligence versus wisdom scenario. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, a broad trend that I think the Barbie series has adopted, like, on a general scale, is that uh, it used to be that Ken was kind of lacked a personality. That was usually the big joke. Like, in Toy Story 3, they're like, oh, you're not a toy, Ken, you're an accessory. And it's like, uh, one of those things where Ken was always seen as this bland, milquetoast guy with not really much going on but I think as time went on like uh I think as time went on it didn't it wasn't enough for him to be a cute guy I think like people gravitate towards characters and because of that you ended up getting this sort of like oh he's well meaning but he's kind of a dummy and I think he ended up being sort of that I guess sort of the platonic ideal of what a teenager like a young girl would think a boyfriend would be yeah it's yeah like he's just so devoted and he's handy like <laughs> he's handy so he's like good at the things you might not want to do yourself he's good, he's, yeah, yeah he's, good he's at always down things. to go on a picnic in the park and bring his sherbet along <laughs> okay yeah the sherbet <laughs> <laughs> that's a big thing in this show i don't know why like i mean i guess sherbert is seen as like this sort of like cosmopolitan type thing maybe i would have thought it would have been like frozen yogurt or something but yeah. it's just fruity ice yeah, yeah. we do my get some... only my only association with sherbet is like you think it's ice cream but it's not as good like <laughs> that Disappointing it's, ice cream, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm. I gotta agree with you there. I. I think the best, sherbet ever gets is, they call it a bunch of different flavors, but some people call it Superman ice cream. Some people call it like, uh, Blue Moon or something. But when people just mix sherbet in with a, uh, with vanilla ice cream. And it's like the only way you can make sherbet as good as ice cream is if you just mix them together. 
There's my hot take. That. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, you kind of like you get like the tartness of the sherbet, and it kind of combines with like you gotta have like a vanilla ice cream. You know, it kind of yeah. offsets each other. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the Barbie discussion. Uh, we also get Raquel, who is Barbie's designated evil friend in this show, <laughs> which I do always love it in these like children's shows when they just have an evil friend. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, she was. Definitely who has a, a deep-seated hatred for the main characters, but is like still their friend that they let hang around them for some reason. Yeah, I definitely recognize that, but I'm having a hard time thinking of like other instances of that in other shows. Like, maybe it's because like I grew up on mostly boy-centric properties. That seems like the type of thing that you see in a lot of like. Uh, girl-based shows. Like, I know that that was, like, kind of a feature in, uh, 16. I think the, the clip that just exemplified her was when she was at the pool, and she her, hears about Barbie's pool, par pool party, and then she talks about how, oh, I had a pool party last year, and then Barbie totally showed me up by wowing the crowd. So I'm not going to dignify myself by being there. You know what? I will give her a taste of my own medicine. As she cries out, vengeance, as she run frantically runs away. And there's just a chaotic energy there that I've been craving. We have not, it's been <laughs> such a long time since we've seen someone like that. Like, Laura, do you have any idea how many of these past movies have been just a villain being a scorned woman with evil magic beams? Oh no. It's been okay. so many. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, this whole show has very chaotic energy and you know, I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we even get some reference to the Barbie films themselves because we've got Barbie's younger sisters from the Barbie and Her Sisters series in here as well. Yeah. And they seem to have the same kind of basic personalities they had there, although they don't really emphasize the skipper wanting to be a blogger aspect of it, so... Yeah, well, in this time, Skipper's more of a DJ, which I yeah. think is more of a thing in the Barbie... Uh, Dreamhouse Adventure series, which is a completely different series type thing. Dreamhouse Adventures is more like a continuation of the Barbie and her sisters movies. Uh, and then the Barbie lore goes deep. It goes deep, yeah. <laughs> and then Stacy, like all of the other instances where we see Barbie and her sisters, she is the one that is given the least personality. We're told I that she is a love. Yeah. Uh, there is there is a very brief there was a brief thing where they're talking about their magazines coming in or something and Stacy is looking for like stuntman monthly yes yeah and that is amazing oh yeah and, like I I'm so into it and I want to see Stacy live out her stuntman dream oh yeah that's beautiful yeah that definitely is a thing in the movies where she's like the more kind of extreme sport type person yeah she's so like we don't see tomboy. it like yeah we don't see it as much as you might want like to see it but i mean it's still it was nice to it see was still nice there. to also, see and then barbie just has a 
like an infinite assortment of pets that are around the house, including a horse that just lives inside, which of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We almost, but guys, we almost glossed over Chelsea, the youngest one, who she starts off like kind of cliche, like, oh, she's cute and loves playing with her stuffed animals and all that stuff, which she, which is kind of standard with some of the movies. But then in one of the episodes, she has to distract Ken so she ends up playing a bunch of board games that they're including poker. <laughs> she's a poker yeah. queen. And she, there's just this one shot where she's just menacingly, uh, like, hunched over the poker table with, like, shades on, saying, I think, it was something like, Arizona Hold'em is kitty rules. We don't play like that no more. And it's just... Or like, she was like, that's for preschoolers. Yeah, wilds are for preschoolers. And it's just like... This... Even though this is in such a short form, like, episodes come and go so quickly, it it's one of those things that just... Like, you already get so much of a picture of what these people are like. And I think that helps us to endear us to them. Oh, and we also have uh, Ryan in there, who is the other <laughs> boy, who is like... He's like that one character in the kids' show who's like, I only love me. <laughs> and he has yeah. like a bunch of cardboard cutouts of himself. I am only just also... now finding out that Ryan is apparently Raquel's twin brother. Oh, he's her brother. That was, I was so, that was like my number one question at the end of that first episode we watched, which was the trapped in the dream house and then there's a fashion the, um, show and the pool party. Yeah. Was, makes- at the end of that episode, I was like, who is Ryan? Because I just assumed he was Raquel's boyfriend. Yeah, that's what I thought at but, first, but they don't really. But then in the pool party, he's trying to impress Barbie and like, steal her away from Ken, maybe? Yeah. So I was just like, oh no, who is he? <laughs> yeah, he's... I'll tell you this, uh, he is definitely someone who uh, people like to ship with Ken. Like, right. the most... That seemed like most of his purpose, actually. Yeah, which, I mean... They they try to do that whole like love triangle thing, and the thing about love triangles is that they got three sides. It ain't it ain't it ain't a love vertice, people. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also, you just kind of got Barbie's also a random assortment of friends that kind of like get it interchanged as hanging out with her. But yeah, yeah. Uh, there was one person that you pointed out uh midge laura yeah midge midge we like we didn't see that much of midge well yeah i I found that interesting that in the first one barbie was mostly hanging out with midge and summer and then they were completely absent from the second episode yeah Um, yeah but yeah midge just gets like she had this one moment where she's like on the phone and she's like I forget what the list of things was, but it was like, I came from this poetry reading, and 
I'm gonna go get some organic granola or something. And just, I was just like, she's a Subaru lesbian. Oh, yeah. She is a Subaru lesbian. I mean, she's dressed in vintage (laughs) Like, I got that in two sentences. Yeah. (laughs) She also brings, like, a pH-level tester to a pool party. Yeah. And, (laughs) like, I, I don't know if you guys picked up on it. Apparently, uh... According to the wiki, it says that she speaks in 1960s slang. That, yeah, they the way she, they present she her, she she's meant to be like an older, more old-fashioned Barbie, which I thought was interesting. yeah. She said she said nosh. That was the one that I was like, hmm, do the kids these days use <laughs> that word? But that that makes that sense. Makes sense. That they're going for like a nod to 60s Barbie. With yeah, her. yeah, and apparently she has a crush on Ryan, which that's not something that we get to see apparently, but. That's incorrect. That's incorrect. She's absolutely got a crush on Barbie. Oh, yeah. No, she and Summer are definitely... Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Summer was the other one that was trapped in the closet. Heh. With Barbie. (laughs) And... Well, they were trapped in the house. Trapped in the closet was... uh, Who was it? Is it Teresa and Nikki are the other two? Yeah. Yeah, Teresa was the... it, It is kind of hard to distinguish which one was Teresa again she's Here's the one with she, dark hair okay yeah, the white she's one kind of like uh, sort of like ditzy yeah and or kind of like yeah she doesn't know the ditzy. difference between up and down and she forgets how to breathe <laughs> yeah <laughs> which and then Nikki is uh the very sassy protective friend uh yeah that the word sassy is doing a lot of work in that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she's the main uh, person of color in this cast, so mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean there were different there were parts where she was like uh oh no she didn't yeah, that was the one where I was like, ooh. ooh yeah. Ooh. yeah. The, the, the we, one black character that? really <laughs> shows. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit mm, a bit questionable. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, so, and I do think, like, what I like about this show is it really kind of leaned into more of that kind of, like, cartoony sort of, like, kind of, like, loose, loosey-goosey continuity that a lot of, like, kind of short-form cartoons have, where it's just, like, this is the conflict for the episode. <laughs> it does have some SpongeBob vibes. I think the biggest example of this is the end of. There's one episode that involves Barbie and Raquel getting shrunk down, but then at the end, Raquel gets like yeah. turned <laughs> giant, and then she like <laughs> steals Kim, yeah. who is still small, in like a King Kong type situation and the show the episode the just episode ends. just ends we and don't just see the end how of it. it the story resolves <laughs> we just see her going all kaiju on the city and you know what i feel like that's one of those things where it's like that's that's fine i have i can appreciate when like when more humorous short form animation can can decide to end on a note that won't be necessarily narratively cohesive, but one that will be funny enough. And yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just it, think... for me. It was a funny contrast to the first one we watched, where which ends with the dream house being destroyed, <laughs> and then Ken showing up and having a whole new one in a suitcase. Yeah, um, yeah. 
that it was just like, oh, okay, so I'm not totally sure which of those worlds we're in right now, where, like, everything's gonna be fine, or, like, everything is definitely not fine, but then it is next <laughs> episode anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. One little detail that I appreciate is that every episode there was a establishing shot of the dream house, and every time there was a... Uh, there, the hedge was, which was basically just an, a JPEG of a different thing, but it changed every episode. And I don't know, that seemed like a little fun detail that I imagine some artists yeah. just like getting a kick out of every time they got to do it. You get the impression that the cast and crew probably had a little bit more fun when working on this, because unlike a uh, tie-in direct-to-video movie, which you had to release every year in order to uh, release in conjunction with the newest doll line. Uh, because this was a web series that only needing to release a new uh, five-minute episode like every week or so, it seemed like there was a lot less like pressure to like crunch on this. And you yeah. can tell they probably had a lot more, like, creative freedom with this. And I don't know, and I think it's just kind of a shame that, like, the other Barbie shows that followed in its footsteps never really, like, went back to the same formula, because from what I've heard and seen from the subsequent, like, Barbie CGI Netflix shows is they're a lot more in line of, like, kind of the style and tone of the direct-to-video movies. Yeah. So, the show is kind of like an oddity in all of the Barbie stuff, you know? It sticks out, and it feels very, very tailor-made for, like, that kind of 2010s kind of internet humor that was popular at the time. And oh, I yeah. enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. 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 I, though, I do, I can easily imagine why Mattel wouldn't want to necessarily make this a regular fixture of the Barbie franchise, because... As we said, as Barbie moved into the later 2010s and as people were starting to get more conscious of, like, hashtag girlboss feminism, um, like, it seemed like Barbie was trying to capitalize on that more and focusing more on the sort of rare doll collectability. Like, nowadays, when people talk about Barbie, unless you're a parent, it usually comes up because... Uh, Mattel does like some promotion of like oh get our special uh, hidden figures tied in uh, Barbie doll or our Amelia Earhart doll or they haven't made a Ruth Bader Ginsburg Barbie but I wouldn't be surprised but or they will they one day <laughs> yeah but uh, but they do a thing where it's like oh Barbie is play uh Barbie is teaching girls how to do STEM stuff by being a programmer. And I feel like the sort of ironic humor that sort of covers uh, life in the dream house, it feels like a type of thing that Mattel was looking at and is like, all right, we already capitalized on the big brony phase. We got that. Now that that's not in vogue, we don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, she is, and it is very, like, um, like, if you just wanted to look at the trappings of it, then, like, you're totally gonna fall into that, like, surface-level kind of criticism of, like, oh, she just likes fashion, 
and going on dates with her boyfriend, and that's like all she ever does. Which I, I mean, I like my personal stance on that is that it's it's kind of a reductionist argument. Oh yeah, that um, people just like blaming Barbie for uh for whatever. Yeah, um, people because it feels like... like a thing that wins points. Yeah, it seems like um, a very big, easy target. Like, I remember yeah. when there was, like, this big conversation about the actual pink aisle, like, and how, like, mm-hmm. stores yeah. like Target and Toys R Us were considered disbanding it and stuff like that. And that seemed like one of those conversations where uh, it's like, I mean, yeah, you shouldn't necessarily expect girls to just be like Barbie, but... There, I've, it sometimes felt like there was this attitude where it was looking down upon girls who liked those traditionally feminine yeah. type things. And, yeah, and it's that yeah. kind of thing that we've talked about in the past, like me and Henry, we've mentioned that, like, a lot of this stuff, it almost, it always goes back to, like, that kind of feeling about, like, the criticism that stuff like Twilight got, where it's like, right, a right. lot of it was under this veneer, it's like, oh, it's bad for girls but at the same time it felt like more like it was an acceptable target because it was something that girls like and people never had the same sort of scrutiny towards stuff like transformers or max steel yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. but like i think it it is like i mean i'm not gonna be like barbie life in the dream house is revolutionary actually but like there there is just a lot of i i feel like there were a lot of little seeds where like if you're kind of willing to go beyond the like oh no she has a closet um then you see things like one one thing that really struck me because i think this was this was a running theme in a lot of like barbie media that i remember noticing as i would come back to it as an adult is like um the the trapped in the closet episode um where uh, they're they're just uh, the, the closet doesn't want Barbie to go out in her jeans because they're too short and so they're they're on lockdown and uh, Ken is gonna come and try and save them. Um, like it's such a quick little moment, but like by the time Ken and Ryan have showed up, like closet and Barbie's just like we're best friends forever now, right? And Closet's like, yes, best friends. And it's like, that's just like, to me, that is like the essence of Barbie is like- Yes, everyone just loves like, Barbie no matter what. Yeah, and it's because she's nice to people. Yeah. And like the kind of underlining story is like, just like, just just be nice to people. Yeah. And it's like, she didn't she didn't need to be rescued by Ken necessarily. <laughs> she just needed to be, be nice to the robot and have fun hanging out and eating scones and sitting in the hot tub. Yeah. You know, Barbie is is very chill. You know, she lets yeah. Raquel come along even though she knows Raquel like is gonna try continually tries to yeah. take her boyfriend, but she knows she's never gonna succeed, so she never feels threatened, you know? Yeah. And Closet can turn evil as many times as he needs, but she knows she still likes having him around. I, I think so. that does actually touch upon another dimension to why a lot of people are so quick to criticize Barney B because I think a big problem with a lot of media not just pertaining to media targeted to girls is that people are immediately skeptical of any media that focuses on like a character just being a nice person with like no caveats Mm -hmm. like 
people like lose their mind over characters like Superman or like shows like Steven Universe and stuff like that. Like for some people, it can't just be that, oh, this character's nice. And I think it's it's possible to like have a multi-dimensional character while having that basic niceness to it. Yeah. But I think so many people yeah. especially when some people's idea of making a character like Superman multi-dimensional is just like snap a neck Jesus I'm looking at you Zack Snyder yeah <laughs> yeah it uh I think yeah I think it's uh it, it's it's a lot of really interesting stuff and interesting stuff that I'll be honest I wasn't uh totally expecting when when looking into this show like i'll be honest i think i might have underestimated this show because when I, whenever i hear about life in the dream house i just people seem to talk about it as like oh that funny kind of memed version of barbie that people on the internet used to like but i don't know i think it's a little bit that like a lot of things surrounding barbie it's a little bit reductionist because there's like Part of the reason why this show is so humorous and so fun to watch is that you see all these very dynamic personalities just bouncing off of each other and, like, just acting out these scenarios. And that's kind of just what the core of Barbie is about, just telling these different stories with your friends. Yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah, I think... I guess that's about... Yeah, that's about, about it. it. Like, it's... Yeah. Do you have any other... Hot takes, Laura. Oh, I don't. I don't think I. Oh. The only other thing that I feel like we mentioned, but I had a little bit deeper thoughts about, were like all of the pop culture references, um, which, like, the so for me, it just ties back so much to that idea of like the whole show feels like a game that like kids would actually play with their Barbies organically um, and like there's an element of that that like would involve a lot of like pop culture references right that it's yeah. just like uh, kind of stealing other people's jokes because you don't really know how to write your own yeah. yet um, but it didn't it, like I think the reason why it just rang so hollow for me was like I just didn't believe that those were the pop culture references that like the kids playing with their Barbies would have come oh, up with yeah no I like Listener, when they re they're referencing things like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, uh, like two thousand one and Space Odyssey, like no, 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 yeah, that definitely feels like the sort of DreamWorks Star Trek pandering <laughs> yeah. to the pandering to the adult that has to watch it, or falling right. into the sort of brony type humor that some shows try to capitalize in order to. I mean, Emma, you were the My Little Pony fan. You could probably speak to that a little bit more accurately than yeah it definitely feels like that stuff like that is a lot more to be like kind of like wink wink nudge nudge to like the adults that are watching it i mean i could see maybe like kids making star wars references like i'm pretty sure if you had some star wars action figures around you would mingle them with the barbies yeah. and that would go they, i mean they kind of did that because when they were shrunk down into the dollhouse there was a he-man statue there oh, yeah, yeah. And Raquel yeah, just Raquel starts flirting. with a He-Man in there. And she's like, what? You're ignoring me? 
uh, and just slaps the stuff. But that's kind of the thing, like, what, like, kid in our, in this generation this would be targeted to would know what He-Man is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know, I think, like, it, because it felt so related to, like, the stuff that I really liked about it, which was that it was so, like, off the walls and really felt like a kid's game, um, that I, I don't think I would have pulled this just uh, just like imagined this if it hadn't if there hadn't already been these pop culture references that were falling flat but it just kind of made it feel like a missed opportunity that there weren't like references to Disney movies yeah. or something like that it just kind of made me imagine this world in which like there were these references but like two things that you know like a seven year old girl would be referencing that it was like man that would have been cool yeah like <laughs> I could definitely that picture like Barbie just like frolicking in a field and the birds will land up perch on her arm while she sings and the kick yeah or like a moment when someone has to hold up the horse like Simba or something yeah like, something <laughs> like that that seems like definitely yeah. a thing that like would be more in line with what kids would be into but yeah yeah it's but yeah overall i'd recommend it listener if you haven't already it's uh i mean we it seems like you can watch the entire series on netflix so it's segmented to into 12 episodes i think I overestimated, like, uh, how long it would take to watch through this thing, but we probably got through, like, a good quarter of these episodes, given how quickly they were going by. Yeah, I would say if you're if you're gonna watch any, like, Barbie movie thing, this is probably the, the one that's gonna be the most entertaining to yeah. someone of our age. Definitely. You know? It's definitely something that feels accessible at most. Although, I think, to any fans of the Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse series, like, it's... I I would... Uh, I would discourage people to just stop looking at this series from here. Like, th I know there are definitely people out there that only watched the Life in the Dreamhouse series and completely ignored some of the Barbie movies. And don't get me wrong, there are some definite, uh, definite stinkers amongst that batch of 37, but I do think that there, if you enjoyed the sort of humor and the sort of, like, characterization you see in some of these, uh, episodes, I think there are some movies that will still appeal to people. Yeah, you just gotta wait for our uh, complete tier list to finally come out. Then you'll know which ones uh, are worth yeah, the time. Yeah, we gotta work on that. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'll just say right off the bat, like, if you're looking for some some slightly more uh, wholesome stuff, Diamond Castle, Magic of Pegasus, Pink Shoes. Those... Princess and the Popper, Princess and too. the Popper, but mo when most people think of the series that's the one that they remember yeah princess i'm seeing a lot more of a princess and the popper being kind of like memed on YouTube. oh yeah it's getting so it's super like big on tiktok yeah. right now yeah it, it's 
I mean, yeah, I think there's a lot about the Barbie movies that, like, as we see more people who grew up with them, like, you know, getting onto social media, we're going to see a lot more Barbie-based humor and stuff like that. And I'm sure we'll be seeing more stuff from Life in the Dreamhouse online. Like, I can <laughs> definitely picture one of these clips from the shows just suddenly getting viral on Twitter one day. But, yep. but yeah. Thus is the internet, that fickle mistress. Mm -hmm. May the almighty algorithm bless us too. All right, so, Laura, right. thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you for having me. This was great. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. But uh, before we start plugging our stuff, where can people get more from you? Oh, I uh, I make videos on YouTube. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you can find me at, uh, I'm just Laura Crone on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash Laura Crone, or search for my name. Yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter at down with LCC, but a weird uh, down underscore W underscore LCC. Oh yeah, we'll be sure to link uh, yeah. that in the description. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely recommend uh, Laura's stuff, listener. Like, mm -hmm. uh, she does a lot of really good stuff, and really happy to be able to chat with you about this. So. Yeah. Uh, but Emma, you also have a Twitter. Yeah, at Emma Corey Nine. I am. Merely but a rando, not associated with the YouTube scene, but I do enjoy watching these Barbie movies and talking about yes. them. So that's my and if shit. you wanna and if you wanna continue the conversation, the hashtag conversation. <laughs> oh God, uh, about Barbie, uh, you can also tweet at us at Pink Alpod on Twitter, and if you uh, have enjoyed this stuff. Uh, feel free to give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. As for me, myself, listener, uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at, uh, Kathman Henry. Oh, wait a minute. Laura, you got a Patreon, don't you? Oh, I do have a Patreon. Yeah, plug, yes. the, yeah, plug the Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Laura Crone. Yeah, help repair nice bills. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Get help paid. Me. Please. Please God help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't have a Patreon, but if someone would just like to send me money randomly, I would appreciate that. I mean as well. Emma, just set up the Kofi link and I'll I'll put it up there. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, yes. but <laughs> support, support your support your YouTube artists. Yes. They yeah, that, that yeah, as for me, uh you can find my stuff at on my Twitter at Kathman Henry. Uh, on my YouTubes, youtube.com slash Henry Kassman. Uh Laura and I, we're both pretty easy people to Google, I would say. Yeah. Like you just yeah. you just type the name and we're there. We we emerged onto the YouTube scene when we didn't have to worry about making like some witty user handle like like make a brand name. Great and we could great just great for uh, consistent branding, terrible for online dating. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm married, so I don't have to deal with that. Ah, there you go. <laughs> there, yeah. Uh, but other than... Wait. 
Wait, Henry, we forgot to give our rating. Oh, shoot, yeah, yeah. Ah! yeah we usually give a, a rating to these, uh, to the things that we watch. Uh, Emma, you start, because you seem to put more thought. I, I give it 4.5 uh, schlumpoofas <laughs> out of 5. Oh my god, we didn't even mention that bit. Should yes. we even talk about... No, I let, think let uh, them let yeah. them yeah. know this. All right, Laura, uh, Laura, do you have a rating for this, or should I go first? Uh, oh man, I feel like my scale is so skewed. I have I, this is going to be like the first rating I've ever given it. I don't know what I'm comparing to. Um, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it uh eight vacuum cleaners full of Barbie shoes out of ten. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, I think I'm going to give this a uh, a Ryan belly flop out of ten. It's flashy. <laughs> it is uh, well executed, and it seems to have a lot of time and effort it put into it. But it's got that level of zany chaos just smacking you in the end that will always keep you on edge. Which you know what? I don't think I would have it any other way. But yeah, uh, I think that's about it then, uh, I guess. Oh, Emma, we need to figure out what we're going to watch next time. God, there's so many options now. We'll have to discuss this later, but uh, thank you so much for joining us, Laura. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's been real. It's been good. Yeah. Well, but, uh, but until next time, listener, uh, We'll see you again in the dream house. Now it's t mm -hmm. now Laura, uh, we gotta find the portal to get you out of this place. So if you'll just uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll yeah. Unfortunately, we can only uh, sustain so many people here for so long. Of course, long. of course. Gotta right. go home to my own dream house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.